So let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 3, as we continue on in our, our series, we're calling Sufficient. And we're going to pick up with verse 7 today. Now if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we're very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ it is taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, will you now uh, open our hearts and our minds to your word? We need your Holy Spirit to be our teacher today. And so, Lord, we rely utterly upon you to understand this and in order to apply it to our lives. And so we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we begin I, today, I, I want to give a, a definition of some terms I'm going to be using and uh, that this passage refers to, and that would be the Old Covenant and, and the New Covenant. Uh, the Old Covenant was initiated by God and His promise that He would be a God to His people. Throughout the Old Testament, uh, and they were under the Old Covenant, but God's people rebelled against his teaching, rebelled against his ways, and against their God. But as we look at the Old Testament, everything in there was pointing to something that was going to be better, to the new covenant. And so 
there was symbolism in, in the things that we see in the Old Testament uh, that foreshadowed what was coming. And there were also prophecies of what was to come. Now in this passage before us, Paul talks about the contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And New Covenant, think in these terms. Think in terms of the gospel of Christ himself and him being the fulfillment of all of that which was uh, looked forward to in the Old Testament. Think of the New Covenant as, as being kind of the second edition And it it doesn't necessarily mean that the first edition of something was bad or was wrong, but the second is going to be uh, the better edition. The next one will be better. And that's the case with the New Covenant. So as we see it foreshadowed, uh, it was was not only uh, foreshadowed in, in kind of dim ways, in ways that maybe would have been hard to understand, but there were out-and-out prophecies, and probably the most obvious one uh, in terms of looking, prophesying the new covenant would be in Jeremiah 31. And uh, let me read to you. It begins in 31. There God says, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. That is the prophecy of the new covenant that was to come. Now, i am just got to tell you right up front that this passage before us, and you already know it because you heard me read it, uh, can be a difficult one to, to understand and to interpret. So before we get to the passage itself, I want to I explain uh, our approach to this passage and to, to understand it better. Uh, let me explain to you, uh, uh, talk about expository preaching might seem like a side road, but it's really not. Stay with me here. Um, expository preaching is uh, the way we preach here at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. And usually we go straight through a book of the Bible, but all of our messages are taking what is in the Scripture itself and exegeting or, or uh, pulling out of there what is actually in there, we're not putting into it our own thoughts, but we are trying to bring out what is there, and that's what exposition is. And so uh, we we want to teach what what that the passages meant to the people that originally heard it or or read it, and then we want to apply it to our own lives. So that's expository uh, preaching. What's interesting about this passage today is that Paul is actually doing that very thing with the Corinthian church. He is uh, taking uh, uh, passages from the book of Exodus and he is interpreting, he is telling the Corinthian church what they meant 
at that time and what it means for them. And then in turn, I'm going to take what Paul said about those passages and how he interpreted them and explain it for us. So it's almost like a hall of mirrors where it's, uh, it's going back and forth. But, but hopefully that'll make a little more sense as we go through this. But what I'm going to do in order to understand the, the Second Corinthians passage better is I'm going to read the passages that he was explaining to them. I'm going to read those first, and then we'll get to uh, his words. So the, the first passage, and you, you may turn to it if you wish, or, or just listen to me, would be Exodus 34, and verse, starting with verse 29. Um, here's, here's what that passage says. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, As he came down from the mountain, this would be the Ten Commandments, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him at Mount Sinai. So that's the passage, and here is what Paul says to them about that account. And this is in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7. He says this, Now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone, remember that's what he just talked about with Moses, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? So remember, he is, he's going to be contrasting the Old Covenant with the New Covenant. So the Old Covenant, he doesn't use that term uh, here, uh, by itself is death and condemnation. If you remember, last week in the the previous passage, and we've always got to remember the context of what's just been said, uh, we, we talked about Paul's use of the term, the letter of the law, and he said the letter kills. And he contrasted that with the, the Spirit. Well, that's another way of contrasting the Old Covenant with the New. So, con- continuing on, down in verse 9, For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. So he, he uses that term, and this would be for the letter, which kills the ministry of condemnation. And that's referring to the Old Covenant. Now, I want you to notice, though, he doesn't say that that the Old Covenant was wrong or that it was flawed or that there was something wrong with it or that it was without glory. In fact, he talks about the glory of the Old Covenant. 
And then he quickly contrasts it with what he calls the ministry of righteousness. And that's the term he's using for the new covenant, for for the gospel. So here's how he contrasts it. He says the new covenant must far exceed it in glory. So the new covenant is going to far exceed the old covenant when it comes to glory. One way that it's better is it exceeds it in glory, but the new covenant gives righteousness, which is exactly what the old covenant could not do. It pointed toward that which would give righteousness. But all of the things that went on under the old covenant could not, in and of themselves, bring righteousness. Think things like uh, the sacrificial system, the temple, the tabernacle, all of these symbolic things that were important and they were glorious in their time, but none of them in and of themselves could bring a righteousness. Righteousness was always by faith. For them, In the Old Covenant, it was faith looking forward to the one who would bring righteousness, the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. Let's go on to verse 10. It says, Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. So, when, when all that God has revealed uh, was the old covenant, it was glorious. It was what they knew at that point. And, and I don't want you to be confused here either. It's not as though the old covenant uh, was, was all, all about uh, working for salvation. That's not it. In fact, the very fact that God established a covenant with his people to say, I will be your God, that was all by grace. They didn't deserve it. And so grace uh, is the umbrella over uh, the way God has always worked. So we see that uh, then the, the new covenant comes and uh, it, it is, it's revealed. So... <laughs> Remember I talked about a first edition and a, a future edition. Let me, let me try to illustrate that. Uh, there is a book that maybe uh, uh, you've heard of uh, called the Merck Manual of Diagnosis and Therapy, uh, referred to as the Merck Manual. And it actually is, uh, uh, and I, I researched this, I, I wouldn't have known this, but it's uh, the world's best-selling medical textbook and the oldest continuously published English-language medical textbook. So it was first published back in 1899, and then had a number of editions since then, and the 20th edition uh, was published in 2018. Now, um, I'm told that 
that doctors don't necessarily use that in the way that they once did because there's so many online resources and, and so on. But I want you to imagine this with me. Imagine you go into your doctor's office and you uh, tell him, he says, how can I help you today or what brings you in? And uh, you explain to him the symptoms that you are having. And then he goes over to uh, his desk and he opens a drawer and he pulls out this antique looking book. And it's the Merck Manual. And he begins to, to go through it very carefully because the, the pages are brown and, and, and brittle and so on. And he's, he's going through it and he, he finds your symptoms and then he begins to diagnose you and you say, wait a minute, what, what's that? And he says, oh, well, this is the first edition of the, the Merck Manual. And you, you, you're going to say to him something, something like, well, what? What do you mean? The first, when was the first edition? Oh, 1899. Well, isn't there something more modern than that? Oh, yeah, there was one in uh, 2018. But I prefer to go back to the first edition. Do you see how strange that would be? And, and inappropriate, how unacceptable that would be? Because when the, when the 20th uh, edition of that manual came out, it overshadowed all of the editions before it, and certainly the first edition. Well, when the new covenant was revealed, it overshadowed the old covenant. So it doesn't make sense for anyone to want to go back to the old covenant, to go back to the letter that kills when we've been given the new edition, the new covenant, which is the spirit that gives life. There's another contrast mentioned here, verse 11. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. So the old covenant faded and was brought to an end. That was the plan. And the new covenant was given, but it's forever. And that's another thing that makes it the better covenant. It is forever. Let me read to you again from Exodus, and then we'll get back to what Paul's saying. In Exodus 34, verse 33, he says this, And when Moses had finished speaking with him, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the prophet of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. So that's, that's Exodus. Let's look at Paul's commentary, his exposition of, of what, why that was taught and what was being taught there. So back to 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 12. 
It says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. So John Calvin, in commenting on that, says this. I think it's a a great statement. He said, God speaks to us now openly, as it were, face to face and not under a veil, as Paul teaches us when speaking of Moses, who put on a veil when he went forth to address the people in God's name. Under the gospel, the veil is removed, and God, in the face of Christ, presents himself to be seen by us. That's another way. The new covenant is better. And then on to verse 14. But their minds were hardened for to this day when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. The new covenant, the gospel, the Holy Spirit unveils the heart while the old covenant required a veil. Now Moses physically wore a veil to obscure the reflection of God's glory. But again, that's, that speaks to the temporary aspect of, of the old covenant. So the, those under the old covenant, again, were looking forward to something that was better than this, that was not obscured, that was more clear, and ultimately, whether they knew it or not, would be permanent. Verse 15 then. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. So what's that mean, uh, that the veil's removed? How, it, how is the veil removed? Well, under the covenant, it's because the Holy Spirit reveals God's truth to his people. Now, does that mean everyone understands everything once they become a Christian, that that we totally understand everything uh, in the Word of God? Well, Well, of course not. But what it means is it is understandable when we have the Holy Spirit living within us. Now, in theology, that's what we would call the perspicuity of the Scripture. Uh, I I actually put that word in your outline. We may be the only church in South Carolina that had that word in our outline for today, the perspicuity of, of Scripture. But it simply means, and that's the term that's used, but it simply means the clarity of the Scripture. It's, it's a plain book. It is understandable. So every week, right before the preacher, me or whoever is preaching that day, uh, preaches the Word of God, we, we uh, read the Word of God, and then we pray what we call the prayer of illumination. 
illumination. That just means to, to bring light. We are praying that God will bring light to our hearts and our minds. He will illumine us. We're not saying reveal to us new truths. We're saying illumine the truths that uh, we just heard that are in your word. Because we understand that if we're going to understand anything, it's going to be him, him teaching us. So, here's the thing. Maybe, maybe you're frustrated because you read a passage like today and you say, I, I don't get it. I'm, this is a hard passage. And there are a lot of hard passages. And I would admit that. There are ones that I look at that I'm, I'm going to preach on the next week and I just, uh, you know, it drives me to prayer and ask for illumination. But... But our biggest problem is not understanding the hard parts of Scripture. Our biggest problem is believing and obeying the parts that we do understand. That's where we need to absolutely begin. What God has illumined in our hearts, we are responsible to respond to. Going on to verse 17 then, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So what kind of freedom? Again, one one commentator uh, said it this way, most likely it refers to the many kinds of freedom that come with salvation in Christ and with the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is freedom from condemnation, guilt, sin, death, the old covenant and blindness to the gospel as well as freedom that gives access to the loving presence of God. And then the the final uh, verse here in verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is spirit. So, the new covenant sanctifies. And what I mean by that is, it grows us. That's how we grow in Christ. The old covenant could continually uh, expose and convict and ultimately kill. But the new covenant continually transforms. The word that's translated uh, transform there has the root in uh, metamorphosis. And, And it's Here's a little grammar stuff. It's a present passive. But that's important because it's not saying that that we're changing ourselves. It's saying that we are being changed. It's a continual thing and it's being done to us. We are being transformed. And how? Well, by His Holy Spirit. And that, too, is the glory of the new covenant. It makes it 
better. And it points out another difference. In the new covenant, the Holy Spirit dwells within God's people. He dwells within those who are trusting in Christ alone for eternal life. So when it's, it says uh, we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is spirit, it's talking about a progressive transformation that's ongoing and that will continue to go on throughout our life. That produces more mature believers. It it grows the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And ultimately, it will impact the world. So, if you're feeling spiritually discouraged, or if not now, the next time you're feeling spiritually discouraged, this may be a passage to go to. Maybe that wouldn't have occurred to you when I first read it. But for this reason, to see that it is God that is working in us to transform us. To see the progression that that those under the old covenant, the Holy Spirit existed, but it was as, as if God were afar from them. He's in the pillar of cloud. He's in the pillar of fire. He's in the burning bush. He's on the mountain. But nobody approaches that mountain but our representative, in that case, Moses. They could look forward to something better. And they were looking forward to what we are enjoying, living under the new covenant in Christ. I read to you earlier from Jeremiah 31 uh, of the promise of the new covenant and that promise was fulfilled in Jesus Christ in his finished work on the cross. That prophecy was fulfilled. And then those trusting in him are then indwelled by the Holy Spirit. But that's not the end for us either. We are under this new covenant, but we too can look forward to another phase when all of the promises of the new covenant are consummated and ultimately fulfilled when Jesus returns. No veils. Only glory, face to face, with the Savior. 1 Corinthians 13.12 Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Let's bow together. Lord, thank you that... We have that to look forward to. Thank you that by your grace you have fulfilled all of your promises in Christ. And by your grace 
We are living under this wonderful new covenant that will last forever. But thank you that also by your grace, Jesus is going to come back and make everything right and make everything new. And we will enjoy that forever as well. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.